Make sure to check us out on Letterboxd for written reviews. For films that we've done not only on the podcast, but outside of the podcast too. Links in the description below. And welcome back to The Rewatch. My name is Samuel. And my name is Jaden. And today we're going to be talking about the most recent disaster that was released on Disaster Plus. I mean, sorry, <laughs> sorry <laughs> Disney Plus. And before we do that, um, this is The Rewatch. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to listen to our Rewatch podcast. Um, or you can find us on YouTube by just searching the rewatch. So if you like our review and you like this sort of content, you can leave us a like, that would be much appreciated because we need a bit of a mood boost. Yes. Um, because we had to sit through the Kenobi. Six, six episodes. And yes, we might be complaining that there's only six episodes, but six episodes of this is rough. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Mm. I want to start off with our expectations for this series when this series was announced and kathleen kennedy trotted out ewan mcgregor on the stage and asked him will you play obi-wan kenobi again and he said yes the fans went wild what was your reaction um honestly i i don't really remember that like really? i know I, I knew that they had that whole panel and everyone got upset because ewan mcgregor didn't say hello there um <laughs> But, like, I, I don't remember that being, like, a huge thing. Like, it, it just kind of flew under the radar for me. Right. But in terms of excitement, yes, I was excited. Like, you know, the best parts of the prequels are Hayden Christensen and Ewan McGregor and how they interact with one another. Um, and actually, at this point, we, we weren't aware of the fact that Hayden was returning. So it was just Ewan at this point. Um, and I mean, I was, I was so excited. And then later on, I believe, Kathleen Kennedy again. It's funny how she always puts herself like on the stage. Yep, yep. Um, that's, that's not really common, you know. What, I don't know what that says about like her ego, but like if you're the president, you usually have like a spokesperson who's like actually good on stage. But she's not the president. She's the president of Lucasfilm. I don't think she is. No, she is. She definitely is. I think she's just a producer. No, she's the president of Lucasfilm. Is she? She is the top dog at Lucasfilm. Yeah. She is like the top of the hierarchy. But, which makes it odd that she's always out on stage. But regardless, she came out again at some other celebration or whatever. And she said, Hayden Christensen's returning as Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader this will be the rematch of the century. For me, that was the first warning sign because mm -hmm. we know with the sequel trilogy that Lucasfilm is very quick to play fast and loose with the canon. Yep. In terms of, you know, looking at the original content, you know, those original films, 
and thinking, okay, what are the rules that are established here? How do we follow those rules? Because they just they just do their own thing and they hope that the fans forget about it. Mm-hmm. So when I first heard this will be the rematch of the century, I was very concerned. Uh, I, I remember like your, like your alarm bells were like going off. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I remember you saying to me, you were like, well, this just straight up breaks canon. Um, the fact that they're having a rematch because, um, you know, the whole A New Hope line, when I left you, I was but the learner, now I am the master. So, I mean, it breaks canon, and not enough people are talking about that. Um, but no, I, I specifically remember, like, you were, like, very cautious mm-hmm. about this from In the beginning. In fact, I believe I made a video on it, on the, the rewatch. I, I made a short video sort of saying... You did. Um, that that it was going to break canon, and of course it did. And obviously we're going to do spoilers for the Kenobi show just from the start, but they don't just fight once, they fight twice. Yeah. And, yeah, so just from a general perspective, thinking, like, at that line from Kathleen Kennedy, I was like, oh, no, this is going to be not good. Yeah. Because they just don't care. They don't care about those original films. Yeah. And... That was the first warning sign for me. And then the trailer was another warning sign. And then, yeah, it just, it just grew and grew and grew from there. Mm. But um, we'll, we'll dive into sort of the acting and the characters, I guess, um, because we'll sort of leave our recommendation as to however people should watch this or not for the end. Mm-hmm. But we'll say, um, let, let's go to the acting and the characters. Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan Kenobi. What did you think of his performance in these six episodes? Um, I <clears throat> I think it parts... I, I never really raised this with you, but I think it parts... His, his lines were very static. Like, they were... Uh, something about it, it was just very monotone. And whether that's Kenobi or that's just how he came across in the show, I don't know. But some of his lines just felt very, you know, monotone. Mm. Um, yeah, but um, I think he was probably one of the better parts of the show, Ewan, um, especially in those final episodes with those interactions with Vader slash Anakin. Um, I think that was one of the best parts of the show, that final episode where um, he's sort of having that talk with Anakin and he's saying, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah probably one of the best parts of the show yeah um and you can really see his acting come out there because ewan mcgregor is a fantastic actor um but yeah i, I think he was good yeah he's certainly one of the better acting performances of the series that's for sure mm-hmm. but i get what you're saying about some of his line deliveries i actually thought that he overdid his accent a bit yeah like just watching revenge of the sith last Maybe that's night what it was his his accent is is strong like he's a very posh like you know speaker british sort of yeah it's yeah. kind of a yeah it's some sort of accent but it, it's it's kind of like a very kenobi accent like you, yeah you know it's very i know exactly what you mean maybe you, that's what it is you relate it to the character like how it sounds and even the clone wars guy that does the voice does it very well mm. But I think in some lines, he really overdid it in terms of how he pronounced the the words. Yep. And he, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense because if anything, this Kenobi should be like less posh. Yeah. You know? He should have almost less of an accent. 
Well, because he's a he has hermit. to transition into Alec Guinness's. Yeah, exactly. And I don't character. don't Alec Guinness doesn't sound anything like prequel no. Obi Wan Kenobi. No. I don't think. No. But yeah, I I don't know what went wrong there, but I felt anything to do with the performances. I felt to the director because that's the director's job to direct the actors. Yep. Um, but then obviously it gets to a certain extent or a certain stage where if their material is bad, then they're bad, then they're going to give a bad performance anyway. It doesn't matter how good uh, they are. 100%. I mean, an actor's job is to act, right? And you can be a bad actor. That happens. Um, and that goes with any job. Whatever job you're doing, you can be bad at it and you're allowed to be faulted for your performance at that job by an audience. Um, and there's, there's people, you know, sh- like flat out just um, sort of defending certain actors and actresses in this show for their performances. And they're saying, hey, you can't hate on an actor. Yeah, it's yeah. out of their realm. Yeah. Hate, on the, hate on the writing. Yes, you should be hating on the writing. But also, you can be hating on the acting as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think that brings us into um, Moses Ingram and her character of, of Reva or Reva, yeah. um, because that character isn't written very well. No, in fact, I think it's the worst written character in, in Star Wars for quite some time. It's I, up there with Finn for me. Yeah, probably up there with Ray as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's quite a few poorly written characters in Disney Star Wars. Yeah. But for me, what doesn't work with Reva is that she's supposed to be a villain. So she comes onto the scene in episode one and she's chopping off limbs. Yeah. But she's also really emotional. She's like yelling. Like she comes in, remember in that first episode, she comes into Tatooine and there's like a crowd of townspeople. Mm-hmm. And she's trying to find Obi-Wan Kenobi. Not that she has any information that suggests he's on Tatooine, but that's just her overall objective to find Kenobi. Mm-hmm. And she just goes around yelling at people and she gets really frustrated with the Grand Inquisitor mm-hmm. and she's constantly showing her emotions. And for me, that doesn't make a character menacing. It's kind of what they did with Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens, right? Yeah. He's really menacing until he has that like tantrum yep. and you just think, oh, it's just like a, what a spoiled brat. He just gets really angry. He can't control himself. He's just erratic. Yep. And that's exactly what they did with this Reaver character again. Right. So the writing isn't there mm. and that's not even getting into the plot holes and the lack of motivations, which, which comes up later on. Mm-hmm. But also the performance is not there. Yeah. I've seen Moses Ingram in Ambulance mm-hmm. and Queen's Gambit. And I watched both of those. And I didn't come out of those films thinking, oh, that character was terrible. Or that no. performance was terrible. No. It, it didn't stand out to me. Yep. I didn't come away saying she was my favorite part of the movie. In fact, I forgot I had seen her in those movies. Yep. I thought she was just a brand new actor. Yep. So she can obviously act okay yeah oh, i think she serviced the plot well in those in that series and and movie <clears throat> but it's it's just baffling to me that there's people out there defending her and saying okay yes they can defend her because obviously there's been some racist comments thrown out there but defending her because they're saying you can't hate on her performance which is just it's just baffling to me yeah well 
a lot of fans just like her because they'll like any character. Like there are a lot of fans that do sort of like emotional and mental gymnastics to try and like attach themselves to a character. They'll like create their own story in their heads. Yeah. So that Reaver's actually like one of the coolest characters in Star Wars. Mm. But then there's also this angle that Lucasfilm pushed before the movie even, re uh, the series even released, mm -hmm. which I think was very irresponsible of them. Very irresponsible, yes. To say that she needs to prepare for racist backlash because we've had many black characters in Star Wars that are beloved. I yep. mean, for God's sakes, the second Star Wars movie ever had Lando Calrissian there. He's, he's still a fan favorite to this very day. The Rise of Skywalker... A complete and utter trash film mm -hmm. but seeing lando was fun but there was absolutely zero racist like from what i'm aware of there was zero racist comments towards billy d williams for his portrayal in the rise of skywalker and and disney's probably going to use that excuse where it's like well uh 1999 and you know 1980 or whenever um the Empire Strikes Back came out. That was a different time. Yeah, but no one's looking at Donald Glover in Solo, That's a Star Wars saying. story, That's what and, I'm saying. and saying that 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 I don't like that character because yeah. he's black. In fact, everyone loved that character. Yeah. That's like one of the best parts of he's Solo. Probably a Star the Wars best story. part of Solo. Yeah, and you can go back to our podcast and and listen to that because we were quite fond of his character. Yep, yep. And, so and uh, I mean, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, but like. I know they're going to use that excuse where it's like they're going to say 1983 is a different era to 2017. Yes, it is. But like you said, you've got Donald Glover. You've got you've got another black woman. You've, you've got Rosario Dawson, who was absolutely phenomenal as a Ahsoka. Yeah, nothing but praise. No, nothing but praise on that. No racist comments. So to me, the only criticism that is justified for Raver is the fact that it's poorly written and it's just a bad yeah. performance. And I reject the premise that if you say, I don't like Moses Ingram in this role, that that makes me a racist. That is complete and utter, like, that, that's, that's, that's a fallacy. Like, that's not a well-constructed argument. You can't just point to someone and say, Oh, if you don't like this, then you are racist. I'm not saying I don't want black people in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. I'm saying Moses Ingram was gave a bad performance, mm -hmm. which is her fault. Yep. But also the director's fault, and I'd probably give it 50-50. Yep. Because Moses Ingram probably should have gotten some feedback and maybe adjusted her performance a bit. Mm-hmm. But then it's primarily the writer's fault. Yep. Right? And I'm allowed to say that. Yep. Because I'm a fan. Totally And I watch it. something. I'm able to criticize it. Mm -hmm. And what Lucasfilm did here was an attempt to sort of silence people like me and people like you mm -hmm. who have genuine, valid criticism. Yep. Because they don't want that. They yep. want you to just... Shut up. Shut up and take it, you yep. know. Lap it up, clap like a seal, yeah, and get ready for next product. <laughs> That's what they want. Yep. That's their ideal target audience. Oh, yeah. So if you bring up a valid criticism, they they lose their minds. Mm -hmm. They lose their minds. Yep. It's, it's, it's just sad, man. And, and like, 
you know, there's, there's people out there and, you know, Disney's out there saying, oh, it's because she's a black woman that you don't like this. I could name like 50 white males in cinema that I absolutely think they are terrible in their roles. Yeah. And, and they then, should not be playing that character. Yeah. I mean, they did this with Ray, didn't they? Like if we said that we don't like Ray, mm. they'll say, well, you just don't like women in yeah. Star Wars. Which is and, ridiculous. you know, I think... Anyone who's ever watched the Clone Wars has Ahsoka in like their top five Star Wars characters. Ahsoka's like a top three for me. Yeah, and I love Jin Erso in Rogue One as well. Absolutely love her. But these these arguments are just invalid. That's Mm -hmm. all I can say. They just they they attempts to sort of smear criticism and just sort of spark a sort of war amongst the fandom. And Lucasfilm did that themselves, mm. which is the most disappointing thing, because they did that even before the, the series even released. Yep. You know, Moses Ingram probably got put through a lot because of what Lucasfilm did before the series released. Yep. They made it worse for her. Because 100%. if they didn't draw attention to it, maybe Moses Ingram would get some racist people. Sure, there, there are racist people out there. There will always be... A small number of racist people out there, but like, you if would you're have gotten a, a lot less. If you, if you're a public figure, you're probably going to get hate yeah. of some kind, right? Yeah. If you hey, if you go on Twitter and you say that you don't like Kenobi, you'll get worse yeah. than what Moses Ingram got. Yep. Right. So I just you know, I I was really sad to see Lucasfilm mismanage that because mm-hmm. um, they're not very good at many things. Yeah. And uh, we can just add social media management to their their list of failures yep, yep. so anyway who who else did you like from the series in terms of an acting and character standpoint <clears throat> let's see um wow uh pretty much no one but but hayden ewan and hayden were really the only good parts for me. I liked Joel Edgerton in the... Uh, sorry, in, yes. In the first yes. episode, you know, when he's having that conversation with Obi-Wan about Luke, mm-hmm. whether he should be trained or not. I know it became a bit of a meme because of his Owen's comments, but I actually think Joel Edgerton was really good yeah. in that scene. And it's one of the better scenes in the entire series. Yeah. And then in the final episode, he's just cool. And I love the line where he's telling... Reva, who's trying to kill him, um, Reva says, oh, you love him like he's your own son. And and Uncle Owen is like, I do because he is yeah. or whatever. Yeah. That's really nice and touching. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it, it's stuff like that that the, the show just misses, man. Like, it just needs some sort of character to it. Because, like, none of these Disney Plus shows really have any charm or... They all just feel the same, you know, they're very samey, they're all, you know, shot the same, they all look the same, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's just upsetting, man, like, they've all got that sort of weird tan, grey, sort of murky filter on Mm. it, and, and, poor VFX, and just like, weird like human extras just everywhere, oh yeah, that's a huge issue that I have, because, this is throughout most of the episodes. There will be a conversation between two characters and they're walking through a crowded area 
and people are just walking yeah. like in the background. Just randomly. All they're doing is just walking from stage left to stage right. Yeah. And that's their sole purpose. There's nobody like in the background who's actually, you know, exchanging goods with somebody or yeah. getting into an argument about, you know, I, something. But yeah. There has to be some sort of context to these people in the background doing things. Yeah. But there just isn't. Yeah. It's just people just like walking around aimlessly. Which, when you watch episode four, it's like very, very apparent. When they go into the hangar. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> they just walk it out. Because they're bright white stormtroopers <laughs> and they're in a hangar that's like. Made, so empty. Like. I want to say like 100 meters by 100 meters. Yeah, yeah. It's a small hangar. Yeah. It's a hangar. Why is everyone on the hangar? Yeah, yeah. Like they should be inside the base. Yeah going about their work, like, whatever they do, but instead they're just walking. And and because, like... Straight past General Kenobi. Because they can't have the... Yeah, exactly. And because they can't have the budget to, like, fill up this hangar with, like, stuff, like, it, it, it's just so apparent that people are just walking. Like, it's a hangar, so yeah. we should have some TIE fighters, we should have some TIE, uh, TIE fighter pilots, mm -hmm. like, maybe they're on the ladders, sort of, like, disengaging... Maybe there's some mechanics working on the, the TIE fighters or yep. whatever. But you know why we can't have TIE fighters in the hangar? You know, it's a hangar, so you think we would have TIE fighters, right? Yep. But we can't have TIE fighters because we need those two rebels in snow speeders to come and get into the base. Yeah. And this is this sort of brings me to my main issue with this series, is that it it feels like the characters themselves have read the script. Mm-hmm. Like, they know what... They know they, what's happening. They know that they're in a TV show. Yeah. So they have to do certain things. Like, for instance, at the end of episode three, Vader finishes his fight with Kenobi, and there's some fire. Kenobi's, like, almost dead. So if Vader really wanted to kill him, he could just walk around the fire, because it's only, like, 20 meters long. Yep. And we see a wide shot, which shows that, you know, the place they're at is pretty vast. Mm. So he could just walk around and finish Kenobi off. Yep. But... Darth Vader has done his homework. He's read the script. Mm. He's read the script and he knows... He'll fight Obi-Wan again. <laughs> that he has to fight Obi-Wan again. And not only that, he knows that they both have to survive because there's some more movies coming up. Yeah. So, he just stands there. Yeah. It's it's like they anticipate what's going to happen. And, and that's just not fun to watch. There's so many times at the end of every, every episode, almost every episode... Mm. It's either Reva standing on the ledge saying, I'm going to get you, Kenobi. You know, that happens in the second episode. <laughs> that <laughs> happens in the fourth yeah. episode, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, so second and the fourth. And and kind of in the fifth where, you know, sh she's on the ground. Yes, yeah, in the fifth as well. Dead. Yeah. So three episodes out of the six, we get the same character in the same position. Yeah. You know, we have the bad guys saying, "I'm gonna get you, good guys." Yeah. And then, and then there is a, there's another episode where Leia gets captured, and then Obi Wan Kenobi has to be like, "I'm gonna come and get you, Leia." It's just. So that's what this series is. You know, it's a it's just a wild goose chase of Obi Wan Kenobi chasing Leia around the galaxy, <clears throat> and every episode she's either getting captured or yeah. getting rescued. It's just and it's just like the biggest bait and switch, you know, like <clears throat> Marvel's. Sorry, did, <laughs> oh my god, Star Wars <laughs> has done this in the past. Um, 
and you know so has Marvel and certainly well, Marvel's done it a lot with their shows as well um, yeah the show Hawkeye not being about Hawkeye and WandaVision being about Wanda yeah. and, and and not Vision and Falcon and Multiverse Winter Soldier being about Falcon yeah yeah Multiverse of Madness being what was that movie about Wanda Wanda yeah um, and it's the same thing here where they're like hey guys, this is going to be a sort of thing where Obi-Wan's trying to protect Luke on Tatooine. Yeah. We know that you love the prequels. Remember this guy? He's from the prequels. Yeah. You'll like this series, right? It's going to be about him. And then they just they just flip it on us. They're like, hey, you guys really wanted like Leia and Raver, right? And we're like, no. And they're like, that sounds like racism. Yeah, yeah. And sexism. Yeah. So let's talk about Leia then. Yeah. What did you think about her involvement in the series? I didn't mind her in the first few episodes. I thought she was... Wait, we're talking about the character or the acting or... Whatever. Involvement? Okay. Look, I think she was pretty good in the first few episodes. You have that whole forest chase sequence, which is just horrendous. Um, That was very bad. (laughs) Um, But I think she... I think she was... She sort of nailed the mannerisms of um Carrie Fisher pretty well and I can see her growing up to be Leia yeah okay. um I get that but then you you get more towards like when you start to get into the series um and near towards the end her character just it just feels like like she's just there she's not doing anything but she's just there in peril and yeah. she's just sort of you know always just involved in some way that's not very no she's always getting captured i yeah. mean she's like the MacGuffin. she's like yeah. the plot device yeah the plot device that keeps obi-wan do- going from a to b because that's all the show is it's not actually an introspective journey for obi-wan because obi-wan doesn't have that much of a character arc at all in fact he by the end of the kenobi series he's just back to where he was at the end of revenge of the sith mm-hmm. it's all this series is and all of all of the Marvel, Disney Plus, whatever series are, is character going from A to B. Yeah. Unless it's the Mandalorian, where yes, characters are going from A to B, but there's also like an overarching sort of journey mm-hmm. that accumulates to the season finale. Yeah. But with these Disney Plus shows, they take characters that we already know. And they, then they just make them do things. They yeah. don't actually do anything with the characters themselves. Yeah. And I think that's our main concern with this show, right? It's, what is the point of this show? What what are they telling here? What What's the overarching Why story? Why make it in the first place? And I think this is complete... I think getting Hayden and Ewan back to play these roles and reprise their roles is totally necessary. I think it's, it's well overdue. And they could have easily made a story that had some sort of weight to it. And I think that's the the problem with these um, Disney Plus shows. Um, and I think that's why The Mandalorian succeeds so well. is because it always has a premise, you know? It has an overarching story as to where the show is leading. Um, and also has many characters that you like. Yes. Like, it has new characters mm. that you like. Like, you have um, uh, you have Cara Dune. Not yep. anymore, obviously, because they fired Gina Carano. But mm. you used to have Cara Dune. And you have... Um, 
what's his name from Creed? Oh, not Creed. Sorry, from the Rocky movies. Um, um ooh, Carl Weathers. Carl you have Weathers. Carl Weathers. He his character's fun. You have Grogu, obviously, who you know is probably too popular to for me to like him now. I just I hate seeing Baby Yodas when I walk into a Star Wars merchandise shop. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then the Mandalorian himself is an interesting character. Then in season two, you had Ahsoka, you had Bo-Katan, both very interesting characters. Yeah. And both women, by the way. Yeah. And then also you have Luke Skywalker at the end. And there are so many other like characters, like, you know, in the first season, you have like that farmer guy. I forget his name. Farmer guy. He dies at the end oh, of Quill. season. Yeah, Quill. Yeah. Oh, he was a great character. Yeah, he was good, wasn't he? Yeah, and that it, it baffles me why, like why so much effort goes into this masked silver man, bounty hunter. Yep. That no one, no one knew this IP. No one cares about this character. But so much effort was put into Mandalorian season one and two. Yep. And then it's like they went to the Kenobi show and they were like, oh, well, we've got a bit of budget left over from the book of Boba Fett. How about we just use those Tatooine sets again and just make a quick Kenobi series? Which is... Ugh. It's like, I'm sorry, it should be the opposite. It, it should, should be... totally be the opposite. Yeah. This should have that $200 million budget that Disney has with their, you know, feature-length films. Yeah. Um, but it just doesn't. Like, it. what is the logic there? This is easily going to be their biggest moneymaker. Um, people will buy Disney Plus to see this show. And, and they churn out this just disrespectful load of garbage that just it's just it's just frustrating man for me watching this it just looks cheap yes and that's that kind of hurts me the most because i don't know whether they're having financial trouble i know a lot of streaming services at the moment are having financial trouble but this series would have been made prior to those numbers being released because i know netflix is doing a hard time at the moment because people aren't subscribing because of cost of living pressures and stuff so streaming services are having a bit of a panic at the moment Mm. but to see kenobi the series look as bad as this is really disappointing to me and what i think it comes down to is this volume that they use they made a big fuss about it Mm because they used it in the mandalorian the mandalorian looks good right but this didn't and it seems like they're using the volume which is for anyone who doesn't know the volume is like a big sound stage where you can essentially make a green screen background Mm. that's not actually green it's you can film it because it's it's, like in in environment like you, you you're walking in the environment yeah so like the most common one we see obviously is because we're always going to tatooine Mm is that the volume will just show like the sky and then some sandy dunes in the background. Mm -hmm. And so you can kind of use that as a reference for like, you know, actors and, you know, it'll help with immersion in terms of performances. Yeah. Mm. But it looks terrible and I don't know what they did with it in this series, Mm. but they dropped the ball with the technology and it looks, it just looks bad. It looks bad. Mm. Whenever you look in the background, you think, ooh, that's not good. And then you watch something like Revenge of the Sith and you think, oh, wow, those backgrounds are actually a lot better. Yeah. 
which is crazy because it's like seventeen years later. How yeah. long is it? Yeah, now? ages. But uh, it's just it's just insane, isn't it, man? And and I think I think Disney Plus in terms of quality has has always struggled. I don't even think the Mandalorian looks that good. Um, I I think it could have been done a lot. More. Probably not a lot better because of the budget, but I've I've seen better. Um, and and better looking TV shows. Yeah, and and doing it in a real environment is always going to look better. Yeah. Um, but you're definitely right in terms of production quality. This just looks cheap, and and it's not just the environments. Like it's it's everything else. It's it's you know the sound stages. It's it's the costuming. I mean, Vader's helmet looks absolutely atrocious. I mean, don't even get me started on the Inquisitors. Oof. Those costumes are the most stupid-looking costumes I think I've seen in a while from any show, especially the Grand Inquisitor. Mm. Okay, so the Grand Inquisitor. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Do you want me to speak about this? I've seen Rebels. <laughs> well, let me say my piece on him in this show. Yeah. So he, I know what he looks like in Rebels, uh-huh. and he doesn't look like how he looks in Rebels. It's nothing like him. It looks like a cheap version of it. It's like the actor was too pretentious to not wear more makeup. Mm. He's like, oh, I want to see my face. And so they just like made his head a bit bigger, but only slightly. Gave him some terrible makeup. My goodness, the makeup in this series is not good. Yeah. And give him some terrible makeup. They give him this, like, Kmart Target looking costume. (laughs) You know, I've seen, you know, cosplayers with better costumes. Better Halloween costumes. Yeah, exactly. And, oh, the performance is just terrible. Mm. And then the guy, the actual actor has the audacity. I know. The absolute audacity to say that he didn't watch Rebels. The only thing that has his character in from from Star Wars, from anywhere. Yep. So the only reason why this guy got this job is because this character was in Rebels Mm -hmm. and therefore he was now canon to Star Wars. So now he's in this. Yep. So this guy is getting paid because of Rebels. Yep. Yep. And he said... No, I, I, I'm not going to watch Rebels because I want to add something new to the character. My brother in Christ, you are playing the same <laughs> character. And look, you can add something new to a character that's completely justified. Just like Donald Glover did in yeah. Star Wars Story. But, but you can still watch the previous material and add something new. Like, do you your homework, you absolute lazy... It's just like, so lazy, isn't it? And, and you know what's funny? The actual, like, real cast members who care about this, Ewan and Hayden, rewatched everything to do with yeah, their characters yeah. because they care, man. And they were talking about it on the press tour and everything like that. It was yep. great to see that. Yep. And, and also, like, Moses Ingram has the audacity to say that there's never been diversity in Star Wars. Well, she said there's, we, we need to have more black characters in Star Wars. My brother in Christ, <laughs> Lando Calrissian exists, and there are so like Finn. Oh my goodness, there are so many great black characters in Star Wars, and I'm sick and tired of these actors who think that they know more than the fans do. Yeah, because they just simply don't. Yeah, and 
a lot of these people are just narcissistic, like they're here for the money mm-hmm. and they're here for the fame, but, but they don't actually care about what they're doing. No. You know, they don't actually care about the character. Mm-hmm. And they want to look good in the eyes of the public and say, hey guys, we need more diversity. We've already got diversity. Yeah. Star Wars is like, even the very first Star Wars, like there, are, there is diversity in life. There are creatures. Yes. There are aliens. Yes. It's not just about humans. Star Wars is not human-centric. Maybe our favorite characters are humans. Mm. But, you know, everyone likes Kit Fisto. Yep. He's not a human. He's green. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> this is just turning into a rant. I think it was always going to be a rant, but... Where so, we now? While we're ranting, mm. let's discuss the showrunner of this series, Deborah Chow. Yes. So she directed every single episode of this series. That's not happened before in a Star Wars show mm-hmm. because we've always had John Favreau directing Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, and... Bryce Dallas Howard and then Deborah Chow because she did some Mandalorian stuff. Deborah Chow has also done a few episodes of Better Call Saul. I've watched them. I didn't think... I thought they were just as good as every other episode. And she's done episodes of Mr. Robot, Jessica Jones. But she's never headlined a series before. Mm. So, she's one of these directors that directs a few episodes of shows that she didn't create Mm -hmm. every now and then, right? Cool. You know, you get to be a director, you get to make a living. Mm Mm-hmm. This is her first, like, this is her show. She's headlining this show. Yeah, yeah. How unfortunate. And the direction (laughs) is utterly incompetent. So bad. From the performances, to the cinematography, to the staging of the action, to the lack of presence for Darth Vader, who's the character that has the most presence in any cinematic movie ever. Mm -hmm. So, from what I conclude from that, and I'm sorry, I'm ranting again, is that Deborah Chow is only good at directing when she's directing something that's not hers. Yeah. You know, she doesn't have the capacity to do it all herself. She has to be, like, guided through it. Because when she was doing Better Call Saul, she would have had Vince Gilligan, who's, like... The mastermind of Breaking Bad. In in my opinion, he's, like, the top dude in Hollywood just producing content yeah like ever Mm -hmm. vince gilligan writing breaking bad and better call Saul, creating both of those shows he would have been on set every day telling her oh you know in this this scene we want it to be a bit comedic this scene's a bit darker this is how you do this and she's going yep 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 Yep. and and doing it action yeah exactly and she clearly had no guidance on yeah. this. Like, no guidance from John Favreau or Dave Filoni or anyone who actually has any talent at Lucasfilm. And I say that cautiously because they just did Book of Boba Fett, which I thought was just as bad as this. Yeah. And so she's a fraud. I mean, she's not obviously that talented because this was bad. This was very bad. I think this was just too much for her. I think she... Yeah, like you said, she just doesn't have the capacity to do something this large scale with these legacy characters and this amount of, you know, backstory and 
and having to please the fans in terms of what they wanted, she just, it was just overwhelming amount of, you know, stuff that she had to do, and clearly she just couldn't handle it. She just buckled under the pressure. It doesn't, when I watch this series, I, I don't see the love for Star Wars. I don't see the passion. Yep. So that makes me think, is Deborah Chow really a Star Wars fan, or is she just exploring an exciting career opportunity? Because I think a lot of these people probably are, you know, they probably just don't really care about Star Wars. I mean, I haven't seen interviews of Deborah Chow Mm. saying how much she loves the downfall of Anakin Skywalker in the prequels. I don't even know what Deborah Chow looks like, bro. Yeah, she was like hardly on the press tour, Mm. which goes to show. But contrast that with someone like Christopher Nolan or like Zack Snyder. My goodness, Zack Snyder is the best example because... Mm. He, when he does the press tours, he just gushes over the characters and over the, the journeys that he makes them go on. And he gives Easter eggs for the fans and he's constantly like intertwined with the fandom. Mm-hmm. You can see the love in his work. Yep. Deborah Chow just doesn't have that. Yeah. And that's the most brutal criticism I can have of her is that she just, I didn't see the passion. Yeah. Absolutely zero passion here. Like... Stuff was happening in the show that should have had me, like, feeling like some sort of emotion. Like when we got the Attack of the Clones flashback. Yeah. Or when Qui-Gon appears, or when... Palpatine appears. Or and, when Darth Vader appears. And, and, and there's, there's... You feel nothing, man. Like, absolutely zero. Like, when I was watching Mandalorian Season 2 finale... And you see the the X-Wing come in. Like, that is just... That was a beautiful moment. That was a beautiful moment because it, it's been built up to that point. And then when he when Luke Skywalker came in, there was prestige about it. Mm. It was a big moment. And it wasn't just a big moment because we're seeing a character that we know. It's a big moment because of how it was done. You know, he comes in. We don't see him. We see the green lightsaber. We don't see the face. We see, like some side profiles he's he's hacking away yep you know it's all of it's all a build up until he comes through the door mm. and the music's there Ludwig Göransson and you know I, I must say I was I was excited for the music in this series obviously I would have liked John Williams to score the whole thing but um whoever did this did Loki uh, yeah I thought Loki helped. was pretty good same same and you yeah. can look back in our review because we, we definitely, say that. We definitely yeah. said that and the, the, and I was particularly surprised because I don't think the Marvel movies usually have good music yeah, but that's and I, memorable stuff. I went out of my way to say that the Loki theme was really good and yeah. that I hope it continues to be used in Loki material yeah but but that's where the good ends <laughs> that's where I don't remember I, any of the music on any of the episodes. I think I think the music was one of the worst parts of it. I think it was just shameful. Absolutely shameful how they didn't use the Force theme and the Imperial March. Yeah, literally Vader's theme. Vader's theme until like the last until, seconds. And you know why they did it in the last seconds? So you go, oh my gosh, it's the Imperial, it's the Imperial March. March. Hey, look, it's that thing I know. Yeah. Wow, this series is so <laughs> good. I'm so sick and tired of Disney Plus doing this in their last episodes, having characters that should have been in there from the very start. You watch something like Daredevil, right? Yep. 
one of the best, well, the best Marvel show ever, mm-hmm. and will be probably for, you know, ever. <laughs> and they're not doing anything better. Right. Wilson Fisk, right? Yeah. He's the villain in, in Daredevil season one and two. Yeah. And you see him very early on, and you see he has a storyline given to him. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't meet Matt Murdock in the first episode, but you meet Wilson Fisk and Kingpin in the first couple episodes. Yep. So you, you see that character and you you get established to that character. But what did Disney Plus do with Hawkeye? They didn't show Kingpin until the very final episode. They were happy to tease that he existed for the first five. Mm-hmm. And then in the sixth one, he appeared. And then he got his ass kicked by Haley Steinfeld. Yep. And where is the prestige in that? They, they like ruined him in one episode because mm. he should have been in the entire series... But not only should he have been in the entire series, he should have been filmed with prestige. Yeah. And Darth Vader in this series was not filmed with prestige. The shaky cam, the fan film level writing, mm. the poor Mustafa throne is like... Oh, that is like the worst set of them all. Like, if so you want bad. us to make us... Be- you want to make us believe that this is where Vader lives, right? It's literally just a chair in a room. Like, why would you... That's not a place that a person lives. Yeah. That's not a real environment. Okay? If you're going to make this his, like... His throne, you know, his... His... You know, his base. Mm. You've got to make the background, like, interesting. You've got to make his room interesting. Yeah. Give us some interesting architecture. Tell us a bit about Vader. It's just a chair in it's, a room. And it's not even a good chair. It's like literally a rock. It looks so... The colours look really weird there. Like it's very like blacky grey and like a really bright orange. Like a really saturated orange. Um, it looks... And we can talk more about the cinematography when we get to that section. But my god is it bad. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's horrendous. And... And I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it. I will not forgive Marvel for what they have done to media content, whether that be movies or TV shows. Because they have started this trend where it's like, cameo, build up to a cameo that means absolutely nothing. Or have a post credit sequence which means absolutely nothing. And have this interconnectedness of multiple movies and storylines and just make a good movie like, yes do it now yes you know why do we have to wait six episodes to get this why do we have to wait until the post credit scene to get excited we yeah. should be excited to see the movie that we just watched yeah you know that's why i'm getting sick and tired of these post credit scenes thor love and Fun- thunder mm-hmm. right it'll have a post credit scene mm-hmm. it'll probably tease guardians of the galaxy mm-hmm. right I don't care about that. We will come to Guardians of the Galaxy when we come to it. Yeah. I want to see a good Thor movie now. Mm-hmm. And I want to see it like... Well, it, it will probably tease Thor as well because I don't doubt he's going to die. Yeah. You know, so it'll probably tease Thor and there'll probably be another one teasing Guardians. I mean, you can plan this, this, this stuff out very easily. It's not exciting to go into a movie mm. and just think, oh, I can't wait for the next one. Yeah. Because that looks really exciting. Give me the good movie now. Don't yep. promise to it to me later. If you're going to give me Palpatine, and if you're going to get Ian McDermott back in this series, 
who we only just saw in Rise of Skywalker, so it's not that much of a cameo he, anyway. He probably filmed it during that period. He probably filmed it in his backyard, it looked like it. <laughs> I mean, for God's sake, Snyder's <laughs> filmed... Snyder did it in a fucking... <laughs> Snyder did it in his couch. <laughs> Zack Snyder filmed, like, seven actors, including Joker and Batman, in his backyard, and he made it look better than this entire series. The entire series. Right? <laughs> But what was I saying? I, I've lost my thought there. Yeah, we, we just, we're just going on a bit of a <laughs> Oh, Ian McDermott, right? Yeah. If you're going to bring him back, right, you're going to have to pay him. Yeah. So why wouldn't you just get him to do all of the episodes? Why Why are we going, oh my God, look, it's Palpatine in the last episode. Because, because they need to make the money. That's what it is. They need to know that fans are going to watch. From, from day one, we knew um, Liam Neeson was going to be in this. It, it, because... They had this master. I need your help. Yeah, in the first episode. In the first episode, and we we're all okay. Well, Liam Neeson's coming back. We have to wait five episodes. Yes, for it to and happen. I said that. I said that, yeah. and I, I, I said that even before the first episode premiered. I was like, "We'll get Liam Neeson, but it'll be in the last episode." And it was. It wasn't in the last ep. It wasn't the last episode, but it was in the last minute of yeah, the last. Yeah, it was episode. the very last bit of the episode. And you know what makes me even more angry is that it didn't even contribute to the story. It didn't even like assist with Kenobi's development. Right? He didn't appear at an emotionally satisfying moment where you go, "Oh, this is so great!" Because Obi Wan is now going to get guidance from his old master about what he would do in this situation. I mean. Remember back to Phantom Menace? Qui-Gon told Obi-Wan, and he made him promise that he would train Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. I want to see the conversation where Obi-Wan chats with Qui-Gon, because Qui-Gon made him train yeah. freaking uh, Darth uh, Vader. Like, why, why can't he be emotional with Qui-Gon? Like, I, I failed you, Master. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, we don't get any of that. Essentially, what yeah. it is, is... Um, it, it's, hey, Master, and, and Qui-Gon's like, hey, man... Look, you overcame Vader. Now we can talk. You now, now you're a good guy again. You're you're developing power with the Force again. Let's go on our journey. That's what it is. And that 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 was it. It was like two lines. If you're gonna get Liam Neeson back, and you're gonna get him in the makeup, get him in the costume, mm. why wouldn't you have him discuss? I mean, he's a perfect exposition machine yeah. because he can appear anywhere. Mm-hmm. He can. He obviously just like travels with obi-wan like wherever obi-wan will go he can appear yeah so you don't even need to have leia in this series you don't need obi-wan to talk to another character you can just have him talking to nothing Mm. like he's talking to master qui-gon and then every now and then you just have liam neeson appear because oh my gosh he doesn't even come back to do anything meaningful he just comes back to say hello i'm here isn't that cool you the know, end. You know what's insane as well? This is the first appearance of a forced ghost. Um, Canonically speaking. Chronologically yeah, speaking. Yeah, yeah. And there's no reaction from. Um, yeah, he's know. just like, oh, Master Qui Gon. If if I saw if if I had a mentor who died when I was just learning something, mm. and then how many years have we gone by? Like twenty years later, maybe. 15 at, at the least. Yeah. 15 years later, he then just suddenly appeared. And I'm not to, supposed to expect that. I wouldn't just be like, oh, hi, Master. Yeah. Because that's what he was like. Yep. That was the reaction. Yeah. He wasn't even like, 
oh my goodness, Master Qui-Gon, I've missed you. Yeah. Because you died. Yeah. And I grieved your death. Yeah. He's just like, oh, hi, Master. And Master Qui-Gon's like, Obi-Wan, good to see you. It, these people don't understand Star Wars. Zero understanding of the content of of what these stories mean to the people. And, and and Kathleen Kennedy sources these nobodies, these absolute nobodies to write these trash yeah. series that people care about and they just can't get right. Yeah. They just can't do it right. That's a perfect transition to talk about these no-name writers because there was four writers on this series and all of them were terrible. So Deborah Chow didn't even write this series, right? Which mm. is my first concern yeah. because... If Deborah Chow says, okay, I'll direct it, well, why aren't you going to write it as well? Usually the the director is associated with the writing. Yes. So it, there's no excuses to why she, she didn't write this. Um, she should have written this to have some mm. insight into I imagine it. she probably changed things on the day. But, I mean, these writers, the, so these people were actually paid. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? These people as full-time roles, you know, not just like on the weekends, mm. they were paid full-time, probably lots of money as well, yep. Yep. to sit down and write this series. Yep. That was their job. They have no other purpose. That's that's all they did for probably about a year. And they did this. So, okay, let's name and shame these idiots, yes, right? Yes, <laughs> So, first one we have up is called Joby Harold. I believe this is the guy that... Um, made a fool of himself doing Star Wars interviews because uh, he said that he didn't know whether Anakin was Lord Vader or something, you know? Oh, he, is it he that come, idiot? Yeah, so this guy has shot himself in, in the foot several <laughs> yeah, times. Yeah. But this guy wrote Army of the Dead, right? Yeah. Which is not a well-written movie. I, I have fun with it because it's just like Zack Snyder action, yeah. but it's not a well-written movie. And he that wrote movie it. sucks. That yes. movie sucks. Oh, yes, it yeah. does. 5.7 on IMDb. Right, and he's done other no-name things like King Arthur and Awake. Like, what the hell is Awake? <laughs> it's a six point five on IMDb, right? And then next one we have is Hussein Amini, right? <laughs> this guy, Hussein Amini, for the record. <laughs> this guy wrote Drive, right? Interesting yeah. movie yeah. that he wrote. Okay, I didn't particularly enjoy it, but it's, I know it's a well-praised movie. And I wonder what else he's done. Oh, Snow White and the Huntsman. Goodness me, that was not a good movie. Um, he's done other things. And this is the, the worst part, right? These writers have written things that you've never heard of, that anyone has ever heard of. Like, how, how like, does... This movie might not exist for all we know. Yeah. Like, it might be a pyramid scheme. How... So this is called The Two Faces of January, released in 2014. <laughs> it has Kirsten Dunst in it, and it has a 6.2 on IMDb. Nobody's... You can't convince me that anyone has ever watched that movie ever. <laughs> okay next up <laughs> next up how does the casting crew source these people man yeah well this is kathleen Wait. kennedy's job because no, no, it's well, her job to employ these people but there's people who cast these movie like the, yeah there's actual there's a role in in film which is the casting crew so yeah. these people source these people to make their movies and that how do they get these people what connection does... I mean, Stuart, Stuart Beadle, right? So he's the next one. He's probably the most promising because he's written Collateral and Pirates of the Caribbean, the first one. Now, those two movies, 
the writing probably isn't the strong suit. It's more of the performances and the direction. Mm. But those are pretty great movies, yeah. in my opinion. You know, The First Pirates and Collateral, right? So, I have no problem with him. But what what do they have in relation to Star Wars? Yeah, in relation to sci-fi and stuff like that. Big, bu- big budget. Okay, let's go to the next one. Hannah Friedman, right? She's done two episodes for this series. Probably um, episode four and episode uh, two. <laughs> the worst ones. She's done a movie called Wet Hot American Summer. That That's not a movie. I'm sorry, but that's not a movie. I've never heard of that movie before. And we also have... Uh, roadies, right? So, I'm sorry, but this lady has, prior to Obi-Wan Kenobi, she has two writing credits. <laughs> she has she has two writing credits before. You know, that, that's only that's only two more than you, Jaden. Why, yeah. why weren't you in consideration? I'm quite, I'm quite offended. You're probably more qualified than this person because... You actually have the benefit of being a fan of Star Wars. And so you think that would make you a more attractive choice for this role. Because you understand the lore of Star Wars and the canon of Star Wars. And you understand Obi-Wan Kenobi's character. Just how do these, how do these nobodies and these people that have no connections to Star Wars and no connections to sci-fi get these roles? Like, where do they pull these people from? And this is the most confusing one to me. Andrew Stanton, he's a Pixar legend, right? Mm. He directed and wrote fantastic films like Finding Nemo, which in my opinion is one of the best films of all time, mm. and Wally and Finding Dory and Toy Story 2. So he's written those movies. But my brother in Christ, what are you doing in Star Wars? <laughs> Stay in your lane, bro. And but you know why he's writing Star Wars? It's because nobody else wants to write Star Wars. Because Everyone knows it's like, suicide. Everyone knows that it's terrible. Yeah. Like, why isn't Christopher Nolan wanting to do a Star Wars movie? Because it would kill his career. Yeah, because he'd rather do other things, right? Mm. And this is Star Wars. Like, this is the biggest franchise ever. Directors should be killing each other for these roles. Mm. But Andrew Stanton, a Pixar animation guy, is writing a live action series. For Obi-Wan Kenobi. Mm. I have no words. <laughs> well, he's done Toy Story 2, so obviously he has some sort of love for Star Wars, at least. Yeah, because that had a lot of cameo uh, references. In yeah, it. but yeah. like, why is he doing this? There's no reason. And why did somebody let him do this? Yeah. I, he's a big man at Pixar, right? So, if he wants to do a Pixar movie, mm. you say great go ahead you do that because yeah. you've done some great movies in the past yeah and you we think you can do it again yeah but it, it it doesn't it doesn't give him the right to transfer over to something else mm. just because oh he's a, probably a fan of star wars yeah and he thinks oh you know what i'll give it a go well you failed <laughs> it's, the, it's the simple yeah he failed yeah. um yeah. I mean, oh, can we talk about the fifth brother? Oh my goodness! I was gonna raise the green, this. the green Inquisitor. His his storyline just ended in episode four. We saw no more of him. The Inquisitors. Okay, let's revisit the Inquisitors. So we have yeah. the Grand Inquisitor yeah, yeah. who gets stabbed in what episode? The second episode. And there's problems with that in terms of you know Qui Gon got stabbed and um, and Darth Maul got 
no, sorry, Darth Maul lived, but Qui Gon got stabbed and he died. Yeah, very quickly. Yeah. Um, the Grand Inquisitor gets stabbed and he falls down like he's dead. Yeah. Like he falls down and he's still. Yep. And then it cuts away from him and we presume that he's dead. Mm hmm. Right, so the fans are like, oh my gosh, you idiots, you broke canon, he's alive after this, he's in Rebels. You dumb idiots, because that's how we think of these people. Yeah. <laughs> because we would expect them to do something as stupid as that, as yeah. kill off a character yeah. before they actually appear And in I canon. mean, like, half of them haven't even watched Rebels, so... Yeah, so they wouldn't know, would yeah, they? Yeah, they wouldn't know. Yeah. So, he gets stabbed, and then the camera cuts away, so we presume he's dead. But... He doesn't even get mentioned after this point. He's just forgotten in the story. Not even Darth Vader, who... Darth Vader, his main assistant, is the Grand Inquisitor. But he doesn't even notice that Old Mate's just disappeared. (laughs) There's no even mention of the... Oh, where's the Grand Inquisitor? And Reva's like, I killed him. He's like, why? Yeah. They just don't even address it. They have that whole weak Vader moment where he's like, maybe I underestimated you. Yeah, when he strangles Reva. But, so let's talk about the fifth brother, right? Sung Kang is the guy playing him. And he's from the Fast and Furious movies, right? So that, if you're in Fast and Furious, that means you can be a green alien villain in Star Wars now. So that's nice. <laughs> What did you think of him's character? Because <laughs> I thought he looked utterly stupid. <laughs> the costume was so bad. He looked like his face was being pushed together, like he was being yeah. squeezed. I didn't have any like I didn't have any issues with the performance. Oh, I, I, I did. Oh, the way he talked, he was like, "I'm trying to be menacing. I'm Robert. <laughs> Second sister, you must be careful with Vader." Where are the drugs going? Where is she? <laughs> but, oh yeah, the performance wasn't there for me. I, okay. I honestly, every time he spoke, I like, I, I found it funny. Yeah. Like, because it was so bad. Like, what are you trying to do here? Well, it looked so stupid. And he has that stupid hat thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, when you just compare you it to Rebels, it just looks dumb. Like, and that's what we're saying. Like, the, pr- the production quality just looks subpar. Um, it, it's just not up to standard. And I'll, I'll circle back to this before I forget about it. Um, so they had that whole thing where they stabbed the Grand Inquisitor in the stomach and then everyone's like, okay, well, he has a second stomach. His species has a second stomach, so that's how he's alive. Um, and then... I'm sorry, but... So you have two stomachs, so if you get stabbed in one, it's okay. Yeah. Well, I have two arms. Yeah. So if you cut off one of my arms yep. and then you just leave me there... Yeah. Uh, surely I, I won't die then. Well, well, that's one avenue as to why that doesn't make any yes, sense. but continue with but, the next one. But the second one is like... Plot holes within plot holes. Well, well, they've kind of, you know, they've they've kind of stabbed themselves in the back because they they stab Reva, Reva, who is a human being, and she survives. So it's like... Twice. Twice, when she's a child, who she should be more, you know vulnerable at that age well like and physically as well like the lightsaber wound would be bigger in proportion to her body yeah exactly but but they can't get away with that whole concept where it's like okay the grand inquisitor survived because he had a second stomach where it's like well raven doesn't have a second stomach and she survived so 
what's going on here? Like, yeah, and, yeah because and, that's the idiot excuse that they used. Yeah, because everyone got angry, and then the writers came out. The stupid writers. They came out and they said. Oh, well, he actually, you know, if you were a real fan, you would know that he actually has two stomachs. Yeah. So he is fine. And it's like, well, then show him being okay. Yeah. Like, don't just cut him out of the story. And then he appears in episode five and there's no narrative explanation as to how he got from being stabbed on the floor, looking like he's dead to just chilling with Darth Vader again and showing up. To go, oh hello, Reaver. I, I'm, what did he? What was the the terrible line he said? He said, "Oh, rage does wonders for the will to live, doesn't it?" Yeah. Wow. Somehow Palpatine has returned. Somehow the crap dialogue has returned. <laughs> but, and that continually happens. Like, like Raver gets stabbed, and and then somehow in Episode Six she's just fine. Like, w- what is this? Yeah, exactly. Because. When she first gets stabbed, and I don't mean the first time in her life because she has been stabbed before, obviously. But in in episode five, when Vader stabs her, which I have a problem, I have a problem with in itself. Mm. Um, she looks like she's really wounded, like she's going to die. Like in the next thirty seconds, I thought she was going to die. Yeah, you know, say what you will about Moses Ingram's performance, but I thought she was going to die. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. Good job there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then she sees some exposition thing, which, oh God, the writing in the show. She happens to come on this exposition dump by Bail Organa, mm. who said to Obi-Wan that he must not contact him because this is a top secret. He contacts him anyway. Yes. And then he records a voicemail message telling Obi-Wan, oh, you... Make sure you get Leia back to Alderaan and you go back to Tatooine, Tatooine, and 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 then you can go and see the child, Luke Skywalker, brown haired Luke Skywalker. <laughs> By the way, he must never know of his children. Exposition dump. Reva sees that, and then it cuts back to Reva, yeah. and she's just leaning down on the ground like she's just woken up from bed and she's yeah. having a sip of the morning coffee yeah. she's yeah. just chilled out yeah. and, and that's what you're Weren't saying you dying five yeah. seconds ago <laughs> but but that's what you're saying how like everything feels like it's it's like the actors know what's about to happen yes like, like the characters know what's about to happen. Yeah, yeah 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 it's just what what's next on the agenda like like they they couldn't even like not destroy Bail Organa because in that moment, Bail Organa, who I think is a cool side character mm. and is played very well, he appears in a lot of things, yeah. including Rogue One. Somehow he is in everything. Yeah. And he, I think the, the actor is actually pretty good as well. He's in uh, Sons, of, Son of, Sons of Anarchy as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's cool. But he, he can't even make it out of this series untouched because... He, his intelligence is insulted by making that message. Yep. That stupid message. Why would you do that? Yep. It doesn't... It's not reasonable. No characters are making reasonable decisions in this show. Mm-hmm. Like, episode three, Obi-Wan and Leia arrive to a laser gate. The laser gate has lasers, right? So, they can't go through it. Well, maybe they can go around it. No, no, no. They don't even consider that. <laughs> 
right? They don't even consider that. And we have some low sort of shots of the gate. So we think, oh, okay, well, we need to make sure we disable this gate because we need to get through it, obviously. So they do that and they go through it. And then it pans to a wide shot and we see that they could have just walked around it because there was like five meters of space on either side of the gate. <laughs> Does the concept of walking around things not occur in Star Wars? I mean, remember when Obi-Wan did like mad jumps during the Mustafar battle? He jumps like 500 meters upwards yeah. and he jumps in Phantom Menace. Like Jedi can just do huge jumps yeah. and this gate is like barely the size of his head yeah. so surely he he could either just walk around or he could just pick up leia and jump <laughs> over the gate and that's the sort of story like writing that we're dealing with here every scene has a plot hole of some respect like later on in that episode episode three was probably the, the most offensive episode to me mm. they go into a tunnel so this is Obi-Wan and Leia. They go into a tunnel. This is a, this is a tunnel that only has one path through it. Yes. Okay? Because we aren't told otherwise. Yes. So they go through a tunnel. It's a top secret tunnel. Oh, I know exactly top, what you're about to say here. top secret tunnel. So Obi-Wan and Leia go into it. And they're about halfway through the tunnel. Obi-Wan says, I'm sorry, Leia. I need to go and fight Vader or whatever. So just keep walking. You know, I know it's my job to protect you, but just keep going. You can do it. Yep. And so he sends Leia off and then he comes back out of the tunnel, right? And then he goes off to fight Vader. Leia keeps walking. And then suddenly fucking Reva enters the tunnel, right? She enters the tunnel. Yep. And Leia, I forget, is actually accompanied by, what's her name? Tala. 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 Yes. Oh, what a terrible character as well. But so, so they would have bumped into one another. Yeah. Okay. So, so Tala realizes, I'm not sure how, mm. but she realizes that Obi-Wan's going to be in danger, right? Obi-Wan is one of the most powerful Jedi ever. Yes. He's facing off against Darth Vader, but this Imperial spy lady thinks that she's going to be some real help. She's going to help Obi-Wan Kenobi beat Darth Vader. Yep. Can't fault the confidence. So, Leia continues walking, and Tala turns around and walks back out of the tunnel, right? But, meanwhile, Reva is also in this tunnel. She's just entered the tunnel, right? Yeah. So, by the law of tunnels... By the law of Tala should bump into Reva, right, as they walk, because they're walking towards each other now. Yeah. yeah. But no, that doesn't happen. Magically, Tala just appears in the Obi-Wan v. Vader battle to save the day yeah. and then meanwhile Reva just gets Leia it's like what yeah. <laughs> yeah that's the sort of dumb writing we're dealing with here yeah and then that's preceded this is why episode three is the worst for me because that's preceded by a very lackluster fight with terrible cinematography and no presence from Darth Vader or no good music mm. bad choreography they're bad having a, lighting yeah they're having a yeah. fight and then Darth Vader doesn't walk through the flames to go and get him. Yeah. And his suit's supposed to be fireproof, apparently. Yeah. So that wouldn't be much. I mean, the dude's like metal, so yeah. it wouldn't burn him. Yeah. Yeah, it's just... And then he says a line. Obi-Wan looks at Vader and he says, What have you become? 
and Darth Vader says, I am what you made me, right? So I am what you made me. So he clearly blames Obi-Wan for him becoming Darth Vader, right? Because that's what the line indicates. Yep. But then, by the season finale, they have a very similar conversation and he says, Obi-Wan, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker, I did. Whose fault is it, Anakin? Yeah, Make yeah. up your goddamn mind. Yeah. It's either Obi-Wan's fault or it's your fault. Yeah. You know, you literally contradicted yourself. It's a very good point. I hadn't thought of that before, but yeah. he, he totally does. It's whose fault is it? You know, it because Anakin sort of changes, Vader changes his perspective. He says, he, bl- he clearly blames Obi-Wan for him becoming Vader in the, th- the third episode. Yeah. And then in the sixth episode, he said, no, 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 it was all me. I actually meant to become Vader. Yeah. Full credit to me. It's just, it's stuff like this that just, like, where's the thought that went into this, you know? Like, what were they thinking when they made this? Why is it so bad? Why, Why can they not get a single thing right? How can you make this and, and not do anything right? I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, don't they have a like drafting process for these scripts? Like, because surely they would have had a script that was then reworked and then reworked. And then most fascinatingly, somebody looked at it and said, that's good to go. Yeah. You know what? I think that one's good. Let's, uh, let's make it. Let's but spend $200 million. Maybe they didn't have that process. And maybe they were just like, okay, first draft, let's go. We're shooting. Yeah, or maybe they were like, guys, we announced this at Star Wars Celebration like three years ago. We need to hurry up and get it done. Like that's maybe why, that's the case. That's why I get so offended by these big sort of celebration days where they show that big, like, just like they show like 15 logos and they say, Oh, this is when you get this one and this one and this one and this one. Yep. Wow, aren't you looking forward to the next 20 things we're going to give you in the next yep. two years? And yep. then we get like four of them That's, in the uh, next yep. five. Where's our Lando show? Where's our a droid story show? Like, where are these things that you promised like five years ago that you still haven't delivered on? And you're still, you're still telling us there's new shows coming out. Like, finish the ones that you've already promised. Yeah. What is... Yeah, oh yeah, we've got a John Watts show coming out, we've got Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie, we've got Taika Waititi's Star Wars movie. I mean, all of the Marvel directors are coming over to Star Wars. That just goes to show that Star Wars is bloody dying. It's, it's dying. It's becoming the MCU. I fear that if they continue doing stuff like this, Star Wars won't be a well-liked property in 20 years. I like, think, it's, I think it's already a pretty disliked property. Well, um, yes, but like ongoing bad content because <clears throat> the normies still watch this and think it's good. Yeah. A lot of people think this is good. Yep. And you know what? They can believe whatever they want to believe. I'm glad they enjoyed it. But you can't tell me from a critical perspective that this had good essential elements like good performances and good writing and good cinematography mm. and all of that and good production design. Yeah. You can't tell me that. But I'll disagree and I'll respect your opinion if you think it's the best thing since sliced bread. But if you continue to do this, if you continue to do shows like this, yeah, they're going to run out of legacy characters to ruin soon. 
Yeah. And then what are they going to do? They can do a Ray show. Nobody's going to watch that. That's why they set up things like the Rubber Show, where they can go twenty years down the line and make a show about her. But the problem is that no one cares for her, so that show will ultimately fail. What's next on the agenda? What else do we have to talk about? Well, so the music. We're led to believe that Reva gets stabbed by Anakin Skywalker during Order sixty six. Let's touch on Reva's motivations as a character, right? Yep. Because I think the controversy deserves a, a specific look at it. Yep. What are her motivations as a character? Can you can you summarize that to me? No. What are her character? What's her character history, and how does that how does that uh, influence her decision making? I think what they were trying to go for is that she has this dislike for Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan couldn't kill Anakin but she also hates Anakin because Anakin stabbed her as a child and killed her friends and killed her friends but it's just so convoluted that none of that comes across but then she doesn't like Anakin because he killed her friends yes so what does she do she joins him as an inquisitor and goes around chopping innocent ladies' limbs off and yelling at children. And that's her way of getting close to Vader so then she maybe eventually can kill him. Yeah, so she can't even play the whole, hey, I'm, I'm a bad guy, but I'm a good guy because, because I never really did anything bad. Like, I was just kind of pushed into this life no lady you chose to do this you you had these decisions that she clearly enjoys being a bad guy in those first few episodes like remember when she's running after kenobi and she's like kenobi i'm gonna get you yeah it's like she's clearly getting a kick out of being a, a bad person yeah and doing evil things like she she's not a sympathetic character and We've seen this time and time again with villains that are trying to be sympathetic, but they just don't, they're just not because they're bad people. Mm -hmm. And when a bad person, when we watch somebody, a character do bad things, we don't like them. Yep. Right. And then you might. And once we do, once we watch this character do bad things, we don't like them. So then. A few episodes later, when they tell us that, oh, they were actually a good person all along, we say, well, frankly, I disagree. You are not a good person because look at those things you did in the first few episodes. Yeah. You terrorized innocent people on Tatooine, said that you were going to kill their families, and you chopped limbs, you chopped the hands off a lady. You know, how is she going to work now? You just chopped her her hands off and, and... they weren't even giving you any information. She was just yeah. going around terrorizing them for the fun of it. Yeah. And then we're supposed to believe that, that oh no, she's actually, you know, a sympathetic character. What a tragic story, you know. Don't you just empathize? No, I don't. No, absolutely not. What did you think of her in the final episode? Because we kept on cutting away from the final confrontation between Obi-Wan and Vader mm. to see Reva chase Luke Skywalker around terrible Tatooine absolutely terrible no stakes whatsoever we already knew what was going to happen because of 
pretty much hinted throughout the whole show that she's going to be the good guy and, and we're meant to like her for that, but nothing. I felt absolutely nothing but hatred for her character and, and whatever she stands for and whatever she's trying to do here. Just hate it. Just absolutely hate it. She knows that Luke is, is Vader's child and she decides to save him or to not kill him rather there's a big difference because she has this climactic moment right where Luke is um, is Luke's unconscious and Reva's about to kill him and so she then has a moment where she sees herself and she's like oh if I kill him I'm a bad person mm. mate you already are a bad person in fact, you put him in this situation where he's in danger. Yep. If you didn't chase him down, Luke would have been fine. Yep. But you, yourself, actively put him in danger. So then when you don't kill him, I just think, well, I'm not going to cheer for that because he wouldn't be in danger if you didn't go after him in the first place. Yep. Yep. There's, there's just so many major concerns in terms of her character and her decisions and in, in terms of how she makes these decisions and why she makes these decisions and and these answers just aren't given to us and 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 it's all breaking of star wars law and star wars canon and and what happens with characters like the fact that she knows that vader is anakin anakin would have sorry vader would have absolutely slaughtered her yes yeah, straight she away out as about soon that. as she knew that she as would soon die. as she knew he would have, she would have been dead because that's his biggest secret yep. he, he can't let anybody know that nobody knows that nobody knows that but Palpatine in fact isn't it supposed to be canon like I think I heard Star Wars Theory talking about this like even the shock troopers on Mustafar that found Anakin um, all burnt up and stuff they were killed yep. because Palpatine couldn't risk like them knowing that Anakin was Vader yep. but, and there's also things like Vader like killed Jocasta Nu who's like the old lady who is in the Jedi temple with the library she's like the librarian oh yeah 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 um so she he, Vader took down a Republic gunship from the sky with like what's this in? oh this is just in some comic yeah um and he, he took down a Republic gunship from the sky and just brought it to the ground he's like nah these people can't know yeah and he just just slaughtered that's, all of them. That's what he'll do to protect his identity. And, and that's like, that is Vader. That is what's missing here. Yeah. Like, there's there's absolutely no, like, sort of presence in what he does. There's no, there's no, he's, he's storming through a hallway of rebel troopers. There's no, you know, uh, he's not in the, in the tent of V, um, entering the 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 rebel um, spaceship with all of his stormtroopers yep. and trying to find the princess, striking and, fear into and the rebels, strangling like yep. these people. Like there's none of that. He's just walking and there's shaky cam and there's it's not Vader, man. Like who is this imposter? Hashtag not my Vader. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think then about like the cinematography as a whole? Like so bad. Because the, so sh bad. the shaky cam really bothered me, and I it, it it came across as like Deborah Chow was trying to do like an artistic thing, like with the shaky cam, like she would do this close up on Ewan McGregor's eyes, 
which I don't have a problem with because he's a good actor and he can we can do that. But for some reason, she like wobbles the camera. Yeah. And Obi Wan Kenobi's just sitting down, so there's no like in world reason to rock the camera. Yeah. So she's doing it for some sort of artistic effect, but it just it doesn't add anything to the scene. There's no. It doesn't add to the emotions that we're seeing on screen. In fact, then whenever Vader comes on, it's always shaky as well. I, I don't remember any shots where Vader has been filmed with shaky cam ever. Yep. Because he's a calm presence. The, the, the scene, the iconic scene in cinema history where we can see the use of shaky cam is in Seven, David Fincher's Seven, where... Kevin Spacey, who's the bad guy, is on the ground and he's about to, you know, get shot, right? Mm, he's, yes. He's about to get shot and Brad Pitt is losing his mind because he's just found out that his wife's head is in a box, right? And What's in the box? And he loves, he loves his wife and he, that's like absolutely destroyed him. Yeah. Right, so he, so Kevin Spacey wants Brad Pitt to shoot him. And so Kevin Spacey is in control of the situation and Brad Pitt is losing his mind. He's losing his mind. And so when we cut to Brad Pitt, the camera's shaking because he's running around, he's he's, he's losing his mind. Yeah. And then it cuts back to Kevin Spacey and, and it's still, steady. Yeah. It's steady and it moves steadily like, yeah. on the, like on the toggle or whatever. And that portrays Kevin Spacey's character is a cunning, confident villain that is menacing because yep. he's in charge. He He's controlling the situation. Yes. I didn't get that from Vader. However, I do get that from Vader in other movies like Empire Strikes Back when he's fighting Luke Skywalker in Bespin. Yep. He's not actually fighting Luke Skywalker. He's like trying to sway him to the dark side. He's not actually trying to kill him. He's just toying with him to try and get him to turn. Yep. He's in control. He's always in control. So why are we doing this shaky cam garbage like it's a bloody well, MCU no, action movie? There's no reason for it. Like, what's the reason to be using shaky cam in that in that particular shot? There's no meaning to it. Like you said, like Seven has meaning. There's there's a reason as to why they use that. It conveys something. This is just Vader just walking in a shaky yeah. cam. Yeah, like, or it's Vader just looking at the camera and. I, I bet you can see they were trying to think, oh, we we did this with the Mandalorian and it worked really well, so let's do this with Vader. No, I'm sorry, different character. Um, because you cannot film Vader up close and personal because that's not what Vader is. But you're not supposed to get up close and personal with Vader. Mm. And there were shots like Michael Bay style where the camera's on the ground looking up. Why are we looking up? Like... Vader should always be like a, a, a huge menacing force, yes. right? So the camera like should always be far away. Yeah. And if you're going to do a close up, you need someone smaller in the frame yes. to, to make Vader look like he's a huge menacing force. Yes. But there just wasn't that. And oh my gosh, like it looked like a fan film, man. It was just disappointing. <laughs> I've seen better fan films. That's not disrespect the fan films. Yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure. My my bad, my bad. This is far worse. So we've just touched on the cinematography. Um, obviously, 
you know, it just looks bad in general. We've already talked about that. Um, How did you think... What did you think about the choreography? The lightsaber fights? Um, there was about one that I liked. Which, which was, one was that? Which was the one between... Um, it was the flashback one. And even that was all right. Like it, I also liked the choreography there. Yeah. yeah well, but I didn't yeah. like anything else. No. no. Because they didn't de-age them. Yeah, I mean, that just looks horrendous. And the costumes are bad. Costumes are bad. Yeah, I'm just over this, man. Like, I'm just, I'm just sick of this. Oh, hang on. We didn't talk about the most important character in the series. Tyler? Wade. Oh, oh my God. How do we forget about Wade, bro? I know. How <laughs> did we forget about him? I mean, he only has two minutes of screen time in the entire show. Well, actually, two minutes is pushing it. I can't believe we forgot about Wade. Two minutes is pushing it. I'm overselling it for two minutes. <laughs> Two minutes, I mean... It's about a minute. About a minute, probably, yeah. Mm. But Wade, I mean... Rest in peace, Wade. <laughs> and then let's not forget about Ice Cube's son, right? Who who delivers the most terrible dialogue scene I've ever seen, right? It's not his fault, but he's, he's not a great <laughs> actor. But the writing is... The character says, Oh, I'm not helping you, Obi-Wan, because I actually hate the Jedi. And he goes on to tell the story about his wife who was killed by the Inquisitors because she was Force-sensitive. And he's like, you're never going to get my help. And he turns around, he goes to do some work. Obi-Wan says something and he turns around, he's like, what do you need me to do? You've got my help. What? <laughs> it's like a parody. It's it's like a parody. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say. And then you'll have these idiot influences like soups and these women that dress up as Star Wars characters and shake their bums in front of their camera screen tell you that it's the best thing since sliced bread and I'm just not taking it. I'm sorry, I don't buy it anymore. <laughs> Rest in peace, Wayne, bro. Oh, it'll be missed. Just that whole sequence where wherever chucks the box out. <laughs> we was like... Oh, I'll just chuck a box at him. <laughs> like, bro, don't you have fighters? Like, don't you have TIE fighters on the Inquisitor base? No, because remember, they had to get into it, so they can't have the TIE <laughs> yeah, fighters. Yeah, so they can't have shields, because <laughs> yes. because they said the, the line by the rebel was, why why would you defend a base? Who's going to attack him? So there's, <laughs> there's, there's, no point of, there's no point of defending a base... Because nobody's going to attack it. It's, just, it's like, my brother in Christ, you are the one that's going to attack it. The bloody rebels, you guys are the one that's going to attack it. So, you think the Empire would have thought about this <laughs> and put some shields. I mean, hell, for canon's sake, Cal Kestis broke into this place like five years ago. And we're just going to pretend that they just didn't like increase... Their shields. Like, <laughs> in fact, they probably made it worse because I reckon in Fallen Order, you probably had to get through some shields and some security and you had to break in. There was a whole plan mm. to get in like it was a heist. Mm. But with this, it's like, nah, just walk in. Yeah, just yeah. walk in. Just walk in. <laughs> Call me sir. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> just, oh, what else? I think that's going to be it. Yeah, I, I like there's a lot more to hate on. I think this is about an F or a D minus for me. 
Yeah, this is bottom tier. This is like... This made me feel absolutely nothing. And I need to reiterate that I love the prequels. And we watched Revenge of the Sith last night. And it was fantastic. I really enjoy Revenge of the Sith. It's actually probably my favourite Star Wars movie now. I really enjoy it. Because I love Hugh McGregor and Anakin Skywalker. And I love the environments. And yeah. I love the world. And this is only a few years later. And it's <laughs> bad. Morbius was better, bro. Morbius was better. Mmm, that's a bold take. Well, is it? Well, Morbius has the advantage of it being less than <laughs> two hours long, whereas this was like three hours if you combine it all. Look, um, we're probably both gonna. You've already released some detailed thoughts on Letterboxd about this. Uh, whether I post the review or not, I, I, I don't know. I've got the effort to, but if you want to check out our thoughts on them, you can visit the link in the description. Yeah, I did do an episode by episode sort of reactions. So it just can, it's slowly. You can sort of see my descent into madness. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, in terms of a recommendation, let's say it on one, two, three, no. three, two, one. No, no. <laughs> you do not want to watch this. Um. You know, this is what they do whenever a series ends. They have some media article put out, like, a rumour that there might be a second season to try and, like, stir up some fan, like, enthusiasm. And people are like, oh, Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen want to return. Well, yes, because they like money. Who wouldn't want to return? Exactly. Who wouldn't want to get paid more millions of dollars to just do the same role again? Exactly. So I don't, you know, they may be fans, but Ewan McGregor in 2016 said he'd never wanted to come back to Star Wars. So, you know, what does that say? Mm. But in terms of the season two, please no. That's my recommendation. I don't want it. I, I don't want it. Let's, I wanted this to be a movie. You didn't give me a movie. It was going to be a movie by James Mangold, the guy that oh directed God. Logan at one stage. But instead we got Deborah bloody chow, bro. Oh my God. Yes. And by the way, if you're interested, um, we've recently, um, well, Jaden's recently been starting to release some based memes on the rewatch some good stuff. Instagram account. If you want to check those out, some of them are pretty funny and relate to Kenobi and just the entire incompetence of the oh, show. I'm just getting my thoughts out, you know. Yeah, it's good to it's good to express your feelings. You know, this has been like therapy for the both of us. And exactly. Just sort of putting our thoughts into the world, but I think we want to go now. Yeah, I'm. I'm actually. I've never, it's never reached this point in a podcast where I, I'm you just I'm, can't talk about. I it. can't talk about this anymore. I want to wrap this up because I'm so frustrated with this crap. Like I'm just done with it. Let's end on a good note. What was your favorite part of the series? There wasn't one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good note. <laughs> I. I thought when Vader's helmet got smashed, that and then that was the best part. That was the best part, yeah. but. They just ripped that off from Rebels, didn't they? Yeah. Like, they just, they're ripping off themselves now, aren't they? I saw this interesting thing. <laughs> I saw this inter- interesting thing where um, in, in Obi-Wan Kenobi, it was the left-hand side. In Rebels, it was the right-hand side. And neither Ahsoka or Obi-Wan could turn him back to the light side. But when Luke takes off his helmet fully in um, Return... Sorry, in... Uh, yeah, Return of the Jedi, he... he takes him back to the light side well no not really because he already turns back to the light side without getting his helmet taken off yeah well that kind of just defeats my whole theory there 
Well, it wasn't my theory <laughs> to start yeah, with. That person's theory. It, yeah. It's a cool sort yeah, of show. I, yeah, sure. Um, but how about this for a theory? Mm. They just ripped off Rebels because they, they're not creative enough to do something themselves. They'll rip off Rebels, but at the same time, they'll retcon it. And at the same time, they won't even take the material from it. And, and then they won't even watch it. And then they won't even watch it. <laughs> so Deborah Chow probably thought her idea was really interesting <laughs> by, you know, destroying part of Vader's mask. But no. no. And it was the same thing with the voice as well. In Rebels, they put the Anakin Skywalker voice and then the Vader voice. And what is this computerized James L. Jones? Oh god, I shouldn't have opened that can of worms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't even James L. Jones, it was him through an AI. That's so so disrespectful. Yeah, it's disrespectful. Hmm. Uh disrespectful, that's a that's a good point to leave it on, I think. Disrespect. That's that's what this series means. Yeah. Yep. Goodbye. Bye.